Would you stand with me in that same song book? Turn to song number 233. We haven't sung this song in quite a while. And this is one of my favorite songs in this song book. And I hope you'll join me in singing it just as well as you can sing it tonight. Song number 
satisfied? I hope you weren't just singing the song. I hope those words are real. And if not, you can find your soul fully satisfied. Our, our God is able to fill you and dwell you. And, and Ephesians chapter 3, God can dwell in your heart by faith. Dwell in your heart. What a place to have him stay. We're going to go to prayer at this time. Are there any prayer requests that we have to mention? We're going to uh, remember Brother Osborne, who's taking chemotherapy for the cancer throat that he has. The Lord's helping him. He called me this morning and gave me a very good testimony how the Lord's helping him. Amen. Any others? I'm sorry? The Roseberry family. Yes. Lucille's sister out in, in uh, Troy, Missouri is, is slipping away. And, and they're, we, we want to pray for them, that family. John Howell's very sick. Let's pray for John. Candace. Candace. Yes, let's pray for Candace. Thank you. Julie. My mom. Your mom. Let's pray for Julie's mom. Anyone else? All right. Uh, Brother Hall, would you come up here and lead us in prayer? And let's remember and pray for Brother Bates. Amen. And what we're doing. We're not trying to just... We're trying to worship God, and we want to obey God. Our heart's desire is to do what God would have us to do. And the Lord gives us souls, and we want to be faithful to them. We want to know how to help people after they're saved and disciple them. We're working on that. Would you pray for us for that? Appreciate that. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before thy throne tonight. We're thankful that we can come together and worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, dear Lord, for your ever-presence already when we feel within our hearts. We come, O oh Lord, because our hearts are moved upon and stirred within, O oh God, to walk a little closer with you, letting the power and the glory of God ever to settle down among us, O oh God. Father, we pray tonight, O oh Lord, that thou would ever to be with these special requests tonight, thou would ever to reach down and touch every physical need and those spiritual needs, O oh Lord, and even the emotional needs of our lives, O oh God, I pray that we might be all in all with you, dear Lord, and fully into your love and fully into your grace. Enjoying the fellowship of the Spirit of God down deep in our souls. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would ever to guide in this hour tonight. Be with the choir, dear Lord. Be with the special singing. Bless Brother Bates one more time, we pray. Anoint him afresh and anew. Give him that liberty to speak the words of God into our hearts. And then, Lord, help us to draw it all in, dear Lord that our hearts might be stirred and moved upon uh, with the ever-presence of God. Uh, when we come to the close of this service tonight, uh, may we be, be able to say it's been good to be in the house of God. Uh, meet every need we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We're glad the scripture still came back again tonight for double dose. Joy and Kevin, and glad the Marshall family is here just as well. <coughs> Thank you, Brother Hires. We have a few announcements to make tonight. Uh, remember that Tuesday day after tomorrow, January the 28th, there will be a cottage prayer meeting at Brother and Sister Bennett's house at 2910 Perkins here in Beach Grove. And uh, we'll enjoy the, enjoy the time of uh, prayer together. Wednesday, January the 29th, 7.30 p.m., a church meeting here in the church. All members are cordially invited. 
to come and uh, it's going to be a very, very important meeting. So we'd like to have all members here this Wednesday night. Saturday, February the 1st, 2.30 p.m., a youth outing for all the youth. They will be going up into Newcastle and it should be a very exciting trip. If you have any questions, you can see Brother Roger Bennett, Brother Don Parks, or Brother John Anderson. February the 14th, which is uh, Valentine's Day, but it's also another special day for Nazarene Christian School. Uh, from 5 to 8 p.m., Nazarene Christian School, Valentine's Dinner at Sassafras Tea Room, 229 North Madison Avenue in Greenwood, which is going to be a fundraiser, as, as, as it has been mentioned, that this year the ACE uh, International Convention will be held in Thailand. And uh, we have uh, one, one student that is, is wanting to go very badly. And she going to, she's going to need uh, need help from everyone. So uh, don't don't uh, forget this uh, very important date. Also, February the 24th through the 23rd, 7:30 p.m. Youth revival with brothers with brother Paul Stetler from Hope Sound, Florida. All of us are youth. Amen. All of us are youth. Um, so we can come too. Okay. Amen. We can come too. If, if you'll come, I'll come. Okay. I'm still young, so you come come along enough else to join me, okay, for the Youth Revival, February 21 through 23. And uh, those are the announcements for tonight. If you have a bulletin from this morning, you can see all of the, all of the uh, service schedules uh, for Sunday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, Saturday, just any, everything that's going on. You can find that in your bulletin. And uh, so those are the announcements for tonight. The ushers are coming forward at this time to take up the um, evening tithes and offerings. And once again, thank you for your giving to God's work. Thank you so much. God will bless you for everything that you do for Him. Brother Parks, would you lead us in prayer tonight, please? Amen.
song. That song has been my anthem for the past month because Christmas week, I reissued some, I got some other issues with my foot and stuff and I've been in constant pain. But that has been my song. I'm holding fast because I know he's got my, got me. I love him.
Sister Anderson are on the road to Chicago. They had an aunt that's not well, and, and so he sent me a note and said they were going to be able to be here tonight. But I, I'm glad you're here. And um, I always love it when, when the Marshall clan shows up. You know, they would increase any church size by about 10%. You know that? I love that. Um, it is good to see you all tonight. Uh, I'm glad you're here. It's been good to have uh, uh, Kevin and Joe with us today, and I'm glad you all are with us tonight as well. Um, and, um, and Rod's friends, we're Will and Phyllis, we're, we're glad you're back tonight. It's good Amen. to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, dear lady on the back row, can't remember your name, but I'm Amanda. glad you're back tonight. It's Amanda. good to see you. Glad you're here. And so this is just a good, um, this is a good Sunday night crowd. You know what, I'm up kind of early, so I'm going to preach about an hour and a half tonight. <laughs> <laughs> My feet have been bothering me for some unknown reason. Um, might be called 50 years old, I don't know. So when the choir came in tonight, I was wearing tennis shoes. And they were kind of looking at me a little crazy, and I said, well, I thought I'd just do a little rapping tonight, and you know, just a little, you know, just make the service a little more contemporary, Brother Dennis. I thought maybe that if you would appreciate that before Wednesday night, I don't know, just trying to get the young folk. You know, we might have a few Bernie fans in the crowd. Who knows? No, that's a joke. Uh, but I'm glad you're here tonight, and um, I hope the Lord will, will help me uh, preach to you for a little bit. I am going to go right back to the same chapter that I have preached from now for two or three uh, Sunday nights in a row, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, and I, I just will just uh, will remind you that... Um, that for the next few weeks, um, as the Lord leads on, on Sunday nights, we, we will be talking about the ten characteristics of a New Testament church. The ten characteristics of a New Testament church. I, you know, I, I, uh, I confess to you uh, last Sunday night that I'm a recovering denominational bug. Um, and some old habits die hard. But... Um, more than anything else, I, I want to be part of a New Testament church. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not nearly as concerned about the name on the door as I am that we're doing the will of God. Amen. And that we're following His, His plan and His path. And so I want to talk to you about what I think is another important characteristic of, of, of a New Testament church tonight. So in Acts chapter 2, I'm reading uh, verses 42 through 47. If you have found it, please say amen. Amen. If you're still looking, say wait for me. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I spoke to you really the last two weeks about the first characteristic of a New Testament church, and that was to be a spirit-filled church. Amen. And I sensed strongly that last Sunday night, God helped us as a body of believers, but individually, God helped some people to really make a very important step to surrendering their lives to God. And we saw people pray, and I went home extremely encouraged in my heart for what I believe God began to do in the hearts of some of our people. And it encouraged and challenged me. But tonight I want to talk to you about this characteristic. A passionate church. A passionate church. Here's, here's, the, here's an English definition of passion. A strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. Let me reread re re that. A strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. Can I ask you tonight, what, what are you passionate about? I can tell some of you what you're passionate about by what you post on Facebook. I mean, some of you are, are, are very passionate about how awful the Indianapolis Colts are. <laughs> One dear precious brother, who I'll allow to remain synonymous so as not to besmirch his reparation, I, I, uh, a friend of mine, I ended up unfollowing because especially on the Lord's Day, I got so weary with live color commentary about every dumb move the Colts were making. Thank you. Some of us are, people are passionate about it. It's basketball season. I, I, can, tell, I can tell you, some of you like the Hoosiers and some of you like the Kentucky Wildcats. Drexel, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, uh, just there's some things that you, you know what I've been most passionate about on Facebook. And some of you it blesses, and others you just want to come through the computer and bite me in two. You know, reality of life is this: we're all passionate about something. I, my dear friend Terry Strain. Plays golf sometimes as long as it's sunny, even if it's in the high 30s. Right, Terry? Low 40s. That's a good day to go play a round of golf. He loves it. I like playing golf with him, too. I just don't get to do it very often. But if we went around the church tonight, every one of you are passionate about something. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's about sports. Maybe it's about politics. I don't know. I don't really even care. That's not the point I'm making tonight. The point I'm making tonight is that all of us, maybe it's education, all of us are passionate about something. There is something 
that causes us to have a strong feeling of enthusiasm and excitement. And we get excited for something or we get excited against something, don't we? I wish I could have been in D.C. this week because it was the March for Life. And thousands of people. I was struck by how many young people were there. I had a lot of friends there. Kathy Humbarger, who's the director of the uh, Allen County Right to Life in Fort Wayne. A strong, vocal, passionate spokesperson for the unborn. She went with, I think, seven buses from Fort Wayne. And the majority of them were teenagers that went to, to, to D.C. You know, that our president, Levy Merhaney, First president in history to speak in person to the March for Life crowd. Here's what I can tell you about those people. They are passionate about life. Amen. Kathy Humbarger, every day of her life, she fights every day to give a voice to the unborn. She's passionate about it. She may not know beets from apple butter about any other subject. But you talk to her about Roe versus Wade, you talk to her about life, you talk to her about legislation going through the state house, and she's all over it because she's passionate about it. Amen. I believe the New Testament church was a passionate church. Amen. I believe that one of the reasons why they thrived is because there was a strong feeling of enthusiasm and excitement about what they were doing and about what God was doing in their midst. Tonight I want to share with you six things that I think Scripture teaches us they were passionate about. The first one I will, that, that I will share with you is somewhat of a repeat of the last two weeks. But honestly, brothers and sisters, I can't overemphasize this one. They were passionate about power. Now, it was not personal power. It was not personal gain. It was not something that they were trying to achieve because they were looking for social status. Jesus said these words before he ascended into heaven. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. And here's, here's where they were passionate. He didn't tell them how long they had to wait. We think it was about 10 days. But they had no idea. We talked about the fact that over 500 saw him after he'd risen from the dead. But only 120 made it to the upper room. That still stirs my heart and sobers my thinking. I don't know what happened to the other 380, but they didn't make it. But Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. Tarry till you be endued with power from on high. I think they went there thinking it doesn't matter how long it will be. Maybe it will be 40 days and 40 nights like you fasted in the wilderness. Maybe it will be 40 years. They had no clue. They just knew this. They were going to tarry in the upper room until the Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus said he would do. And can I just confess to you, I'm not really sure modern church is passionate about Holy Ghost power. And I'll tell you why I don't think we are. It's because by and large, we've replaced it with a lot of other things. And in the absence of power, we lean on theatrics. In the absence of power, we lean on smoke. In the absence of power, we lean on other things to draw people in. In the absence of power, we 
We try to create a form of godliness, but Holy Scripture says you don't have any power. Why is that? It's because we're really not passionate about power. If we are, many times it's the wrong kind of power. Anytime you see somebody waving a flag or fighting for an issue, especially when it involves the church, most of the time it's because they want power. And they finally found an issue that they can wave a flag about to see how many people they can get to follow their little cause. Most denominational fights that I unfortunately were part of early in my life had nothing to do with biblical principle. Had nothing to do with right or wrong. Had nothing to do with somebody standing for what was right. It had everything to do with power. And somebody was afraid that somebody was going to take their little kingdom. I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, just... I want you to just think about I don't think it's a problem here at all. But Sister Bates can tell you that when we first went to Winchester, that church was very small. 10, 11 people. Six on Wednesday nights. Um, you know, small crowd. But we had no place to go but up. It was kind of cool going to district conference and saying we doubled our crowd size. Well, that wasn't saying much. It went from 10 to 20. <laughs> saying we doubled it. Sounded really good. God began to help us. New people began to come to church. But here's what I noticed. I had a few people who liked it that it was just us four no more. I had a few people who looked sideways at the new people. I had a few people that got afraid that maybe they wouldn't be the Sunday school superintendent they've been for a hundred years. I had to fight through that. I had to make sure they didn't pour water on the fire. I had to make sure they didn't sneak over to a new person and give the impression they weren't wanted. Because it had been so long since they'd been in that little us four and no more rut that they were happy with it. And they just really didn't want God to kick them out of their comfort zone. Because they'd been in charge for so long that I hope you're with me tonight that they just couldn't stand the thought of maybe someone stepping in and costing them their position. That's not the kind of power I'm interested in, brothers and sisters. The kind of power I'm interested in can only come from the Holy Spirit. The kind of power I'm interested in is the only power that can revolutionize this place. It's the only power that can revolutionize you. It's the only power that can radically change your life. And by and large, we've forfeited it. Because a lot of people today are not passionate about Holy Spirit power. You know why? Because the devil causes us to debate it. To debate how to get it. This preacher will say you have to do this. This preacher will say you have to do that. And this dear doctor in the holiness movement will say, well, it's not that complicated. And this will say that one. And all of a sudden, we're just debating power instead of humbly seeking the power that only the Holy Spirit can give. Amen. So I'm not interested.
interested in debates tonight. I'm not interested in hearing all the conversation about how. I just know this. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. If you tarry in the upper room, you will be endued with power from on high. If you earnestly seek the face of God, He will fill you with His Holy Spirit. Amen. And they were passionate about that kind of power. They waited in the upper room. Secondly, they were passionate about purity. I'm going to hurry through this one, but I just want you to jot down Acts chapter 15, verse 9. I have two just quick subpoints. With power, they, they tarried for it. With purity, they taught it. Acts 15, verse 9 is really the story of how the, uh, the, the God, God brought the gospel to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, Gentiles were receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there were a few hard-nosed uh, uh, a fair sequel, uh, law-filled people that were struggling with it. And boy, they just couldn't imagine that God really loved those Gentile people. And he did. And so the disciples that witnessed it and saw it happen, they were telling the story. And, and, and verse number 9 of chapter 15 is a glorious promise for all of us. God put no difference between us and them. And here's what it says. Purifying their hearts by faith. And see, brothers and sisters, here's what we believe about heart purity. We don't believe that salvation is a get-out-of-jail-free card. We don't believe that you get enough righteousness for God to just see the righteousness and you're still a bad person. We believe the Holy Spirit can and will purify your heart and make you clean on the inside. That's right. And when He makes you clean on the inside, He'll make you clean on the outside. And they were passionate about that. And would to God we would be passionate about purity. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Brothers and sisters, I'm not content at the end of 2020 to be the same Christian that I am at the beginning of 2020. I hope and pray by God's grace I have moved up to higher ground. Amen. And would to God He put a hunger in our hearts to be pure. Would to God He would. You know, I, I started preaching a message on on vision, and, and and I was just going to talk about a, a vision of heaven and a vision of hell and, and a vision of holiness. I would to God that He would put a strong. First of all, I would to God that if there's sin in your heart and life, that God will show you and convict you of it. You know, too long, people wander through life without Holy Spirit conviction really arresting them spiritually. But in the midst of that conviction, I hope God can and will convince you that if you confess and repent and seek His face, you can be clean. Amen. We believe that. God help us to be passionate about it. Thirdly, they were passionate not only about power and purity, but they were passionate about people. Amen. Can I take a little time here? Amen. I'm burdened about this. Amen. I'm very burdened about this. I know how easy it is. And I know, I know sometimes we feel like uh, we're just... We're just, if, 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 we, if we could just make it on ourselves, then we're doing good. Don, don't ask me to, to do anything. Don't ask me to try to help anybody. 
And look, I know we all go through dark times. Please do not misunderstand me. I know we all go through moments of depression. I have to, I'll, I'll confess to you. Uh, you know, I've always been a very healthy person, still am. But I tell you what, my, my mortality hits me square in the face when I can't hardly walk. That scares me to death. Somebody offered me CBD oil tonight. Not really, but please don't. <laughs> you know, I, I realize that we all go through moments where it's all we can do to just get by emotionally. Amen? Anybody want to say amen? Amen. I'm begging you to. Just, we've all been there. God can help us through those moments. But let me tell you what I think would be your greatest path out of depression. It would be for God to help you think about somebody else instead of yourself. And here's, here's, my, here's my fear, brothers and sisters. Are we really passionate about people? Can I just point blank ask you tonight, do you care about young people? You care about them. You care about teenagers that, that have not yet knelt in an altar of prayer. It bothers me. It bothers me. It bothers me that... Now look, God's going to change it. But God's not going to change it if we don't get serious about it. We can't go another, another, another decade, brothers and sisters, without seeing teenagers find God. Now, Don, don't, you know, don't, don't be negative tonight. No, I'm being realistic tonight. We need to get passionate about people. Amen. We need to get passionate about our children and our grandchildren. And we need to be earnestly carrying a burden that one day they'll get out of their seat and make their way to an altar and pray clear through. And we haven't been, brothers and sisters. Let's let's be just let's be let's be transparent tonight. Let's ask God to stir a passion in our hearts. Let's ask God from now to weekend youth revival that God would stir a passion in our hearts that every day we earnestly pray that He'll get a hold of some young person's heart. Amen. We cannot afford. I cannot afford. You cannot afford. We cannot afford collectively as a body. To sit idly by and just say, well, kids are different today. We've got too much technology, too many other tools out there, you know, too many other things to attract their attention. I just, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't buy it. Because those same things are affecting us, aren't they? Amen. And you're in church tonight, aren't you? I think you're here. Everybody's here saying amen. Amen. <laughs> just wondered if you were awake. We could come up with a million reasons why, well, our church isn't attractive to young people. And, you know, there's just so many other things that attract their attention. Can I go back to point number one, brothers and sisters? Wouldn't God he make us passionate about power? And if the Holy Spirit is working in our midst and he helps us to be passionate about people, then yes, God will draw people to him. Old yes. and they continue daily. Look at verse number 46. Daily with one accord in the temple. Breaking bread from house to house. Eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They even sold their possessions and goods. Parted them to all men as every man had need. 
later on, and I shared this with you a couple of years ago, when we were getting ready to go through the renovation and we were having a rough time, they even hit a, a period of time where, where the widows were not being taken care of, and they began to complain and, and cry, and the elders had a meeting and a council together and the apostles and said, what do we do? And they came up with a plan, and they said, we'll put you all in charge of this, you go take care of them, and we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and the work of the ministry. Why did they do all of that? Because they were passionate about people. Listen, here's what I want every person in this church to feel when they walk through these doors. Every person, from the oldest to the youngest, I want every one of them to feel like they matter. Amen. I want every person to feel like they matter to God. They matter Amen. to us. They matter to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You Amen. matter tonight. Jesus loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to make you a vibrant entity of this church. Amen. That's right. And God wants us to be passionate about people, about each other. Fourthly, I'll hurry. They were not only passionate about power and purity of people, but they were passionate about prayer. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time here. I, I, I'm grateful. I don't know. I don't know of a praying church that prays like Independent Nazarene Church does. I'm just going to tell you, there's only one divine method that has sustained this poor man, and it's been the prayers of you saints. Brothers and sisters, I have sensed, I've been driving down the road, uh, headed to work, um, and I will confess to you, I hate Monday mornings with a passion. I'm passionate about hating Monday mornings. Um, and I, especially when I, you know, exert a ton of energy on Sundays. But there have been moments where I've been headed to work and I cannot explain it, but the Holy Spirit gets in my car. Amen. And I have sensed a renewal in my spirit that I didn't expect. And I've sensed God get in the car with me and minister to my heart and help me. And it may be a song or it may be just something that came to my mind. I, it just it varies on what it is. But suddenly the Holy Spirit is there and tears are streaming down my face. And I am sensing that God is in that vehicle. Amen. And I'll tell you why that's happening. Somebody's praying. Somebody's praying. Somebody's praying every continuum. I think I shared with you um, when Amy and I last summer were able to visit Brooklyn Tabernacle in, um, in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And, um, you know, I, I thought of this this afternoon when I told you this morning that, that this church isn't in the name of any pastor, um, you know, that it's Independent Nazarene Church. You know, I, I've thought about how important that senior pastor, Jim Cimbala, is. Incredibly important. But when... But when you think of Brooklyn Tap, you really don't think of him. You don't say, we're going to go to Symbolist Church. You don't. You just, we're going to go to Brooklyn Tap. I mean, what, what they've built is just absolutely incredible. But let me tell you something that they do that would just boggle your mind. Somebody is in that church praying 24 hours a day. Now, they have a big church, you know, 2,173 services, so they've got enough people, but there are literally people in that church every hour of the day praying. 
And Jim and Carol took us to, uh, uh, to uh, have a meal after that Tuesday night service where we were there. And they were telling us the story about, uh, about one service um, that, um, that, that he got done preaching. And Carol was up playing the invitation. And a man distraught came into the church that was going through a lot of domestic issues in his life. Walked up on the platform and pulled a gun. And Carol said, it was kind of hilarious, it's hilarious after the fact, but she said, I'm sitting here playing the piano, and I thought, oh boy, my husband's getting ready to get shot, I guess I'll just sit here and keep playing the piano. And so she did, she just kept playing, uh, and, and, and Jim just looked at the guy, and then realized that the man was very distraught, and reached out to him, and took the gun away from him, and the man broke down and began to cry, and then confessed what was going on in his life, and God saved that man. It's just, just an incredible story. But Jim Sibyl also tells this. Before that service, he was down in his office and he heard through the ductwork there were people that were praying. And there was a lady kneeling close to the ductwork in that room and he heard her saying, Oh God, protect our pastor today. Oh God, protect our pastor today. Oh God, protect our pastor today. And let me tell you, God answered that prayer. Brothers and sisters, prayer is the only hope we have. If you and I will continue to grab the horns of the altar together, if we will be passionate about praying, God will continue to do what He's already done. He will continue to answer prayer. And He's already answered a boatload of prayer. So let's be passionate about prayer. Number five. This one's going to shock you. They were passionate about persecution. I read that and thought, what? Look at chapter 5, verse 40. When they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Mad as wet hens. Ready to quit. Ready to throw in the towel. Ready to find another church. Ready to just call in their resignation. I don't think it's what it says. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Amen. Okay, Don Bates Jr. in the flesh. I don't get that. Are you with me? I'm, I'm, I'm being human tonight. I, I don't. Really? Really, they were they rejoiced? Well, let's think back to what Jesus said. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 
So, so get out of your own mindset, Don Bates Jr. Get out of wanting to hide under the bed. Get out of wanting to hide under your pillow. Get out of worrying about what this one's saying and that one's saying. Get out of worrying about what's going to fall next. No, brothers and sisters, let's just be passionate about following God and let the chips fall where they may and understand if the devil's fighting us that God is greater than any battle we may fight and he will see us through. And when they started killing the apostles and they got to the apostle Peter and they decided to crucify him, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus was. That's right. Crucify me upside down. They were passionate about persecution. No, I don't like it. But listen, brothers and sisters, if, if the devil wasn't fighting us, we should probably be a little concerned. That's right. Listen, if you think, if you think the devil is going to stop fighting uh, 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 after, after elections take place Wednesday night, you better think again. You think, you know, everything's just going to calm down, we're going to be past silly season. And, you know, I, I remember, um, you, you know, I ran for United States Senate years ago. And, uh, when the election was over, they had a press conference and they wanted all the candidates to be there. And, I got a speedy ticket on my way to the, uh, people have been digging into my record, which is kind of fun. Um, but uh, I got a speedy ticket on the way to that, to that press conference and the state trooper pulled me over on, uh, there on 70 and I, I didn't know what to say. I said, I'm on my way to a press conference. I, I was a candidate for Senate and you know, I was gonna be late and it made me a little bit mad. And he said, Dude, just cause you're running for public office mean you, you speak. No, it's not what I mean. I just was saying, I'm trying to get to this press conference. But anyway, you know, this, that primary had turned nasty and negative and awful. And you know, this would have been said and that had been said. And yet, you know, once the primary's over, uh, you're supposed to congratulate the winner. And you know, we're all supposed to stand there like a bunch of hypocrites and smile at each other. You know what I mean? You might not know what I mean, but so there we were, and there was the winner, and there's everybody smiling and shaking hands and still mad on the inside. I said all of that to say this. If you think that just every problem is going to go away, just you better think again. Just because just about the time you think things have calmed down, the devil may just prop up with something else. It, it, will, it, will, it will get better, I'm sure, but bottom line is this, brothers and sisters, serving God is rarely easy. It's rarely going to flow as smoothly as you want it to. Not every service goes exactly like I want it to. Not everything happens exactly like I want it to. It's just not going to be a bed of roses. But brothers and sisters, you keep your hand in God's hand. You keep fighting through. You keep plowing through. You keep following Him. And He will see you through the midst of persecution. Here's number six. They were not only passionate about power and purity and people and prayer and persecution, but they were passionate about preaching. Verse 42 of chapter 5. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I don't know what it would be like 
to stand up here and do this if I didn't enjoy it. I, I know, I know, I know some preachers that say, you know, I, I, I don't really enjoy it. I, I can't say that. I can't say that. I guess I kind of feel like, well, can I just quickly tell you something that recently happened to me? I don't wear a clerical collar. I've been known, especially in the past few years, more as Don Bates Jr., the financial advisor, than a minister. I've been okay with that. I haven't worn a tag saying I'm worship pastor at Independent Nazarene Church. But I can tell you that in the past few weeks, especially, I've had some interesting things happen to me where people have looked at me and said, you're a minister, aren't you? Well, why'd you ask me that? We went to Florida a couple weeks ago and Convention Quartet sang down there. And Amy and Ellie and Ethan were able to go along. And we were going through security. I was wearing a Joe, no, a Peter Millar sport coat that Blake bought me for my birthday. Nicest sport coat I've ever owned. I was wearing a pair of polo jeans. I was wearing a pair of hip-looking tennis shoes. <laughs> I thought I looked pretty cool. We got to security and they let Ellie and Ethan go through this, you know, this easy section, but they made me go through the hard section. And so there I am, you know, this number. And Ellie and Ethan are standing there roaring, laughing at me. <laughs> and the security people are all watching, loving every minute of it, while they're roaring, laughing. And I got through security and put my jeans back on and my shirt back on and my jacket. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Grab my shoes, because they make you take off your shoes. And you're better off when you travel, just wear a little bit of nothing to try to get through security. <laughs> I grabbed my shoes and grab my belt and grab my jacket and going through there and there's a security lady standing there and she looked at me and she said, you're a minister, aren't you? What? I've got my Peter Millard sport coat. I've got my polo jeans. I've got my hip-looking tennis shoes. I kind of looked at her. You're a minister, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I said, how'd you know? Well, she said, I noticed the way your kids were laughing at you. And she said, here's what I thought. I thought they probably don't normally see you standing there like that. <laughs> so she said, I just thought, he, he's a minister. <laughs> what trying to What trying to be, Paul Howard? I just, I was just trying to be hip Don Bates Jr. on my way to Florida. <laughs> you see, God, God has a way. And that was kind of a funny story. But for me, the Lord just hopped on my shoulder. Reminded me, that's who you are. 
Please apply it to our hearts. 